I would like to uh, remind you that the stock market is down. ISIS is up. And there's more emails than she said there was. <laughs> so I thought I'd preach today on what to do when hard times come. Because if they're not here, they're on the way. Let me read for you out of the book of Second Timothy, the last words of a champion for Christ. The last words of the great apostle, he who authored approximately 14 books in the New Testament, and most of the New Testament that you read on a regular basis was authored, humanly speaking, by him, used of God to write these books. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. That way, if I don't see anything of any benefit, you can't leave and say you didn't get anything out of it. So listen now as Paul the Apostle, who's incarcerated in Rome for preaching the gospel, who has been sentenced and is convicted and shortly to be put to death by decapitation for preaching the gospel. Chained to a Roman soldier night and day. Well, I'd hate to be a lost Roman soldier tied to the Apostle Paul, wouldn't you? You'd either get saved or you'd be the most miserable man in the world. And I would say that the Apostle Paul, according to our evaluation, would have arrived at hard times. And he writes, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But once thou in all things endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and my time of departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly to me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
Could I please skip down to verse 13? The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments, the word of God. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. How would you like to help the Apostle Paul for a pastor? He'd call your name right out in public. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou well also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me. I pray God that it might not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you watch the news on a regular basis, it might tend to discourage you. If it does not discourage you, it ought to frighten you. I look, if we're not in inflation, we are suffering deflation. If we're not at war, we're thinking about going to war. You hear a lot about Iran, North Korea, Russia, Pakistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, and recently China. I bet you're surprised that China was cooking books, being a godly nation like they are. Why should it surprise you if China cooks books if America has been cooking her books and we're a Christian nation. We hear much on television about the moral collapse of our nation. We read of AIDS, pornography, divorce, and now same-sex marriage. Of course, we can't say anything about any of that stuff because we got to be politically correct. we got to throw the Bible out the window and start pleasing politicians and liberals who dictate to us what we preach and what we believe. We can't call black, black anymore. Everything's gray. Can't call white, white, because everything's gray. Tough times are on the way. What are you going to do when tough times come? Oh, we're so glad we can buy gasoline at $2 a gallon, regardless of how many jobs are lost by folks in the gas industry. Well, pray on them, we are saving money. And our economy is going down the drain. I'm going to. (laughs) 
I never heard of corporate bailouts until recently. I thought if somebody didn't know how to manage the money, they just went broke. That, that's, what, that's what my daddy taught me. You either handle your money or your money will handle you. I had no idea that I could go bankrupt and the government would bail me out if I was politically correct. Job layoffs. We got folks in our church who's losing their jobs. And I want you to know that's a very frightening thing to lose your job, to spend your life in one occupation all your life, and then all of a sudden, because some foreign dignitary or some Washington politician pulls the right strings, drops oil prices, flood the market, and you've lost your job, and you don't know what you're going to do. Hard times. Hard times. What are you going to do? When hard times show up, financial setbacks, you know what that is? No income. No income. Somebody said, preacher, what are you going to do when the offerings fall? Take a cut and pay. What are you going to do when there's no offerings? I don't work for money anyhow. I serve the Lord. And my hope is built in nothing less but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I dare not trust in the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. May I help you today and talk to you just a little bit about uh, the banks failing, homes failing, emotions failing. We're all about to cloud up and go in a different directions at the same time. Great preachers of past said America is laughing her way to hell. We're entertaining ourselves plumb out of the gospel right into a social gospel that has no effect at all on our lives, our morals, or anything else. Hard times might be on the way. Well, when hard times come, you say, Preacher, how do you know hard times are coming? Because I've seen some of you women walking around pregnant. That means kids. That means teenagers, if you do not kill them before they get there. <laughs> hard times are coming. I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about today. The term hard times is nothing new. If you take your Bible, you'll turn to Job chapter 5, verse 17. Job said in the book of Job, the Bible says that man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upwards. You are born unto troubles. You are going to have troubles. You are going to have misunderstandings. You are going to have stumps in your life. You are going to have folly pits. You are going to have valleys in your life. Sure as the world, they're going to come. And I'm going to ask you this morning, how are you going to act when hard times come? Job 14.1, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of troubles. 
I read that one time. Psalms 119, verse 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, David said. Psalm 77, verse 2. In the day of trouble, I sought the Lord. In my ministry, it seems as though from day to day, I stand on the edge of an abyss at a bedside where a doctor has said there's no hope, it's terminal. I stand there watching folks on the edge of absolutely not knowing what to do. I sat in my office and sat and listened to a husband and wife argue, bicker about the dumbest of things and feel like I'm standing on the edge of an abyss of a divorce that's fixing to split a couple and break kids' hearts eternally. We're living in a real world and acting like it's not real at all. The Apostle Paul is probably one of the most intellectual, accomplished, soul-winning preachers I guess you'll ever find in all of history. He has fallen upon difficult times. Now, I know many of you have never been in jail. I should say us. But I didn't. I said many of you have never been in jail. They do not season the food there. They tell me. They do not tell you that they set your milk between the bars. And after you've been there a week or so, you finally discover there's seven milks on the bars. The best place to surrender to be a policeman the rest of your life is in jail. It's not a pleasant thing. The furniture is not at all attractive. All you pray for is that the flusher will work. The uh, mattress is not that which is be desired. Television, I guess they have them. But I don't think the Apostle Paul experienced any of the pleasures that I've talked about. Food delivered, milk, plumbing. Paul is incarcerated, chained to a Roman soldier night and day. He has fallen on hard times. Not his fault, not his choosing, 
I'm afraid when many of us get to heaven, we're going to be so embarrassed when we see that little squint-eyed Jew. Some of the excuses we make, some of the choices we make. But thank God, even if we make dumb choices, we still got a compassionate, loving Heavenly Father who knows the hurts and the feelings of our infirmities. So I thought I'd just stop by for a little while today and take the Apostle Paul's last chapter and tell you what to do when hard times come. You know, when your wife burns your biscuits, that's a tough time. When your wife can't even spell biscuits. What do you do? What did he do when hard times come? Notice, if you would please, in verse number 7, the first thing the Apostle Paul did was not call the bail bondsman the first thing he did not do is call the church and ask somebody to come and see him. When hard times came in this great apostle's life, he checked his commitment. What is he committed to? Notice verse 7. I have fought a good fight. Did you know that the Christian life is a fight? It's a fight against the flesh. It's a fight against the devil. It's a fight against, it's a fight against all the, the, the liberals. It is a constant fight to stay on top of this thing. And Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul was committed, number one, to the fight. Number two, to the class, and number two, to faith. Uh, we're committed real good until something important hops up like a ball game. Uh, maybe uh, uh, it's a big ball game. Maybe it's the Super Bowl. But thank God there's somebody in this world and has been in this world and has pinned down a, a pattern, a prescription, if you please, for me to help me overcome. And to be an overcomer, he said, if you want to overcome and you want to do what's right, you need to check your commitment. Well, preacher, I don't love her like I used to. You not, you probably couldn't recognize love if you fell all over it. If you love me, prove it. That's not love, that's lust. Most folks in this place have no earthly idea what love really is. And most parents are not slowing down long enough to teach your kids what love really is. These guys, these young folks, they know what love is. They fall in love every day. And they tell somebody, baby, I love you. I love you, love you, love you. Love you. 
Most husbands and wives, commitment is so shallow that if something real big likes your pet rock miscarries, <laughs> we need to go see a divorce lawyer. When hard times come, it's not a time to look at the lawyer. It's time to check what and to whom you are committed to. Paul said, I am committed and I am not going to quit. I am not quit. I'm still there. I'm ready to be offered up because I have been committed to the fight of the Christian faith. I have been committed, bless your heart, to the course that God has set before me. And I am committed to the faith. Dear God, whatever happened to folk who had commitment to things that are eternal and not Temporal. I'm telling you, folks, Paul was committed to the good fight, and a good fight is the only kind of fight that you win. A bad fight is not a good fight. Somebody said, Well, I just like to fight. Well, you are an idiot. I think we ought to get trophies to everybody who fights. Don't emphasize winning. Just give everybody a trophy. Make everybody feel like they're important. Don't give them any motivation to exceed and no success. And don't give them any motivation to win. Let's just everybody have a trophy because you showed up, paid you $10. Praise God. Look at all the winners. There's a difference in the guy that lost and the guy that won. The guy that lost is still in there. What bad on that is here. He's hurt. That winner going to the house. There ain't nothing wrong with winning. I don't know whoever started that stuff about, well, hey, you just need a, a, a trophy for participation. No, sir. No, sir. There's a prize set before us. A crown of righteousness for all of those who love his appearance. And may I help you today. When hard times come, just determine you're going to be a winner. Do you know you never fail till you quit? You said, my wife and my family is a mess. Hey, the difference in a mess and a quitter. Guess who's making it a mess? You are. So what you need to do is fix the mess. You. Quit blaming your wife. You're the mess. You know how do I know that? She told me last week that you are a mess. I love it. You are a mess. But messes is all right. You have not failed till you quit. Paul did not quit. He's in jail, and he says, I've still got something to do. He's in jail, still writing scriptures. He's in jail, still winning souls. He's had hard times, but he's not acting like it. He said, man, I'm ready. If you're taking a load to heaven, Lord, I'm on the next boat, he said. I think that ought to put a smile on your face. Even if it give you a lot, y'all, when you smile. So what happens when hard times come? Said preacher, the only trouble with you, you just never experienced any hard times. I know that. I'm looking forward 
to my first hard time. In fact, when I get home, I'm going to say something nasty to Ginger just so I can experience what I'm preaching to you. Amen. My dogs never run trash. My cars has never tore up. My kids has never turned boats over in the middle of the lake. My kids has never called me at night late and said, Daddy, come to Cleburne and bring cash. I've never had any hard time. No, sir, not at all. Never, never, never. And I've never had my wife, not this one, who said, You, you will not make a pimple on the guy's nose that I love now. No, I've never had any hard times. No, hard times have never befallen me. That's just for you, holy folk. Hmm? I never sat on the bench when I thought I was better than the ones that were playing. I said, I thought. The coach, coach didn't think so. What do you do when your hard times come? The great apostle saw, Paul said, check your commitment. To whom and what are you committed to? I'm not committed to this church. I'm committed to the Lord. And that's who you ought to be committed to. It would break my Lord's heart should I divorce my wife. It would break my Lord's heart should I do something that would break my children's heart. My commitment is to the Lord. My commitment is to the fight. My commitment is to the cross that God has set before me. And my commitment is to the faith. Christian, listen to me today. If you are going to succeed. And if you are going to be there when the final flag falls down, it will be because your commitment will be to the Lord and not to yourself. Good preaching, doctor. What do you do when hard times come? What do you do when one of those sweet things break your heart? I'll tell you, buddy, when you see your girlfriend on somebody else's bicycle, that'll do you in. Amen. That will make you want to shoot the tires down on that dude's bicycle. Because he's bigger than you, older than you, and you just might ought to wear it out before you do anything except shoot his tires down. Hmm? And it'll break your heart now when you're in the wrong man's watermelon patch. And when you're exiting, you find out that your compadre lost his wallet in the watermelon patch. That is absolutely devastating. It really 
will say something to you when your dad says, well, you and that bunch that turned that toilet over last night down to school? You know, them outside John's guard turned. You know, that's what we did for Christian fun on Halloween. We just went through the country turning over everybody's John. If I catch you old miles on Halloween, I'll shoot you. See, I never got, I never was into any of those things like you sinners are. Don't you know it would be a surprise to a farmer that as he got up one morning and had lost his wagon and discovered it, it was in the loft of his barn. It takes all night to take one of them old steel wheel wagons apart and transport it up into the loft of the barn, then put it back together again. They say it takes a long time to do that. What's that in my loft? Is it okay to have fun? Is it okay to come, come to church and learn something and have fun? Hard times going to come. Hard times has come. Preacher, what do you do? You check your commitment. Say, I'm committed. To the Lord, I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to my family. I'm committed to you. Who are you committed to? If it's just you, you're going to end up a failure. Because hmm? you ain't never going to please you. You're not going to please flesh. All you got to do is watch these athletes at the money they're making. And they're not happy with the money they're making. They go from living in Skid Row to $12 million a year, and that ain't enough. You just ain't never going to please this. So when hard times come, the best thing to do is check your commitment. Secondly, notice what the Apostle Paul did in verse 9 through 11. He says this. He says to young Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly to me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, credence to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Paul said, I'm in jail by myself. Nobody's here, just Luke. Timothy. Do thy diligence and hurry and come. I've got some stuff I need to share with you. When hard times come, consult Christian counsel. If you're about to get a divorce, don't talk to the neighbor who's had five. If you want to know how to please your wife, don't go to the guy who's had ten and the one he's got now is not his own. I just thought I'd pitch out up there just to make you happy. Amen! <laughs> if you want to know how to handle your money 
Make sure the guy you're talking to has got some. Make sure when hard times come, you're talking to the right folks that knows what they're talking about. That's the reason on Monday, every Monday, I have a educated, degreed Christian counselor coming to the church to help our folks if you should want some counsel in your hard times. You say, well, why don't you send them to a psychologist? Because I read Psalms 1, and it says, Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. A person who does not love God, a person who does not serve the Lord, a person who's never sad has nothing to tell me. I have something to share with him. And that's the good news that Jesus saves. So when hard times come, don't go off half cock, go next door and run your husband or wife down. You need to seek counsel, counsel from somebody who is Christian, believe this book, and use this book to talk to you. Dear God, I don't need anybody whose daddy was a tadpole telling me how to swim. You're welcome. That would be like me asking Hillary Clinton to buy her phone. The Bible said, bear ye one another's burdens. That's what we're here for. Just to listen, just to bear. When you bear a burden, you half it and make it easy to carry. When you share a joy, you multiply it giving joy and presence to everybody that listens. Paul said, hurry up, Timothy. They've all forsaken me except Luke. I need somebody to talk to. Thank God for a Christian church who will listen and help and encourage. You say, preacher, are you about done? Yes, I am. Just about. What do you do when hard times come? Now get this one. You need this one. Verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For it is possible to me. What's the next two words? For ministry. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's in jail. That ought to excuse him for ministry. He's about to die, looking out the window. The guy's going to cut his head off, sharpen his axe, and the stupid guy's thinking about ministry. It's today before the battle at the OK Corral, and he's thinking about ministry. Not us. We get in trouble. We take a vacation. We got to think. We got to fix it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. What you do when you get in trouble? You continue in the work. Get off and out of your pity party. Well, you don't understand. No, listen, this guy's in jail. 
This guy's going to be decapitated probably tomorrow. This guy is having a bad day. And he's thinking about continuing in the work. You know what you do? You just keep on keeping on. You have to learn how to quit. Anybody can quit. It takes no talent to quit. It takes no education to quit. Quitters are just quitters. Do you know you can't whoop anybody? They won't quit. You may kill them, but you can't whoop them. I've had guys quit beating on me for fear they was going to kill me. And they left. That made me the winner. <laughs> Amen. I said, what's wrong? You scared you're going to kill me? He said, not going to is that your problem? Look at my face. You are not out just because you're down. What you do when hard times come? Check your commitment. Who you committed to? What are you committed to? Hmm? Amen. And you just keep on keeping on. Sitting in that Roman prison and see that Roman soldier looking at Paul. Says, Paul, you see that stump out there? Yeah, that's the one we're going to lay your head on tomorrow. Where is your smile now, Paul? Have you ever heard this? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know where that's found? That's found in the book of Philippians. You know where it's written from? The prison where Paul is looking at the guy that's going to cut his head off. And that Roman soldier saying, uh-huh, smart mouth, you're a winner, huh? You're a winner, yeah. What you going to do when you lay your head on that stump? My God shall supply all that I need when I lay my head on that stump. I don't believe that. You ever read verse 19? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know who wrote that? Same guy that said, I have finished my course. Same guy who said, I've fought a good fight. Same guy who said, I have kept the faith. I can do all things. Could I have a hallelujah from somebody? Dear God, that ought to make a Methodist shout. Huh? That ought to make you throw your cigarettes away. And start buying expensive beer. Instead of cheap beer. I'm done. Paul, what's your last word? Now let don't miss it. Paul, what's your last word? Keep on keeping on. 
what, what's your last word? Keep on. Keep it on. I'll tell you, I don't have time to finish it, but I am sure glad for the Apostle Paul in all his trials and all of his troubles makes mine look so small and insignificant. How about yours? Stoned to death, literally, outside the walls of Lystra. Hmm? Shipwrecked, beaten with the cat of nine tails several times. And yet he can say, my last word to you is, check your commitment. Hmm? I think that's good. Don't forget Christian friends because it's biblical to bear you one another's burdens. Don't share your sins. It's your burdens we help carry. I can't do anything about your sins. Only Christ can take your sins and cover them with the blood of our Lord. And then you just stay at it. Stay in the work. Amen? Just stay in the work of Christ.